Transformational truth number 14. The way a leader sees himself will determine the demands he places on himself. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Our guest today on Transformational Truths is Dan Ryland. Dan is an executive pastor at 12 Stone Church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. He previously partnered with John Maxwell for 20 years, first as an executive pastor at Skyline Wesleyan Church in San Diego, then as vice president of leadership and church development at Enjoy. Dan is best known as a leader with a pastor's heart and coach's instincts. He truly loves the local church and is described as one of the nation's most innovative church thinkers. Dan's passion is developing and empowering leaders who want to grow, are willing to take risks, and enjoy the journey. Our conversation surrounding today's transformational truth was rich, it was practical, and it's going to challenge you. So let's get started. If you'd like to connect with Dan, please check out the links that we included in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor and take a moment. Go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Our special guest today is Dan Ryland. Dan, welcome to Transformational Truth. We're really honored to have you. Thank you, Travis. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Uh, as am I. I've been looking forward to this since I knew we were going to be able to sit down and talk. So here is today's transformational truth. The way a leader sees himself will determine the demands he places on himself. And what we're talking about today is a leader's confidence. Uh, specifically, the ability to truly believe in your worth, your value, your God-given potential. Because I've discovered in my own life that there has to come a time where a leader uh, receives this revelation that God has placed some incredible treasure inside of them that could truly help other people. And I think at, at first, this can feel awkward owning that. But until we do, our treasure will remain buried treasure. And today, uh, Dan Ryland is going to help us unpack this concept. Dan, in your new book, The Confident Leader, incredible book, by the way. Um, I'm not done with it yet. I'm about halfway through, but uh, I can already say it's incredible. Um, listen, you said something really important at the start of the third chapter that I think is a perfect place for you and I to start this conversation. You said, value first who you are, then what you can do. That is a powerful statement. And I think it's I think it's one of the most important truths that all of us need to learn in life and leadership. But can you just take a few minutes, Dan, for our listeners and, and just explain to us why that order is so important? Absolutely. And I, I love something you just said. I want to connect back to that and then maybe unpack a couple of thoughts here. And okay. who knows, we might even throw in a story. But when you said awkward to own, it's a little yeah. bit awkward to own this sometimes. You are so right, Travis. Uh, I've discovered particularly among uh, uh, Christian leaders, spiritual leaders, which 99% of who I work with, 
sometimes when you talk about value who you are, believe in yourself, those kinds of ideas, right. they find that like difficult or maybe even theologically, should I do that? I'm not sure right. I should do that. And, and yet the truth of the matter is if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will either. If you don't value yourself, right. you know, that kind of idea. So, so yes, for sure, we all need to see ourselves accurately. We need to see ourselves as God designed us in order to value ourselves. Right. You, you can't value yourself. And, and that's where it starts. I'll, I'll tell you a quick story here. When I was in seminary, back in the Jurassic era, right? <laughs> a long, long time ago in a place far, far away. Uh, I was graduating from se seminary and I don't know if you're familiar with choleric, the choleric, that's this hard charging, you know, uh, uh, strong leader, the, the sanguines, the fun person, the- Yes, yes. The, yeah, the phlegmatic and the yep. melancholy, the thinker. Okay, so uh, what I noticed was, you know, it's this kid coming out of seminary, that all of the really big churches uh, were led, and all the really big churches were led by pastors who were choleric sanguines. And all mm. the speakers at the big conferences were choleric sanguines, the hard charging fun guys. Yeah. So I thought, well, I'm not a dummy. I'm going to be, I'm going to be one of those. I'm going to be a choleric sanguine. <laughs> <laughs> well, what an idiot. I mean, the problem was I'm not a choleric sanguine. I'm a choleric melancholy. So literally, not only did I not see myself correctly, I was actually trying to be a different version. I was trying to be somebody wow. else. So it was impossible to see myself correctly. And I had to learn to see myself correctly and accurately you know, to, to value how God made me. And then the cool thing is I discovered I really love being me. That's what, that worked. Right. I tried the other way for a couple of years, didn't work. And of course, that's, that's all about identity in Christ. And that obviously includes self-awareness uh, in order to truly value yourself. Then you can value what you do. Um, and so let's get to the heart of your question. Why is the order important? Yeah. That's where you were. That's where you were going, Travis. Uh, Self-awareness, all the things we've been talking about here briefly, in order to see your see, uh, truly value yourself, uh, then you can uh, climb into what you do. The order is so important because if you start with what you can do, which a lot of leaders do, if you start with what you can do, then when you hit a, a setback or a failure, which all leaders do, it's very easy to think you're a failure. Right. That it, it's you, it's your personhood, not something that happened as an expression of your leadership. That's ultimately why that order wow. is important. Yeah. Wow. It's uh, essentially that failure, instead of, instead of saying I failed, it sounds like I'm a failure. Correct. Yeah. It and becomes it actually, so personal. And it feels that way inside the leader. And if you have two or three, um, you know, if you get in a little bit of a batting slump. Yeah. Even, even though intellectually you can know better, um, you can, I, I know leaders who actually can counsel other people with the truth, but they can't receive it themselves because their world is so public and all that kind of stuff. Wow. Um, Dan, you said something. I want to back up and, and touch on it for a second. Um, yeah. You talked about that. I remember going through that same, that was it Florence Litauer study um, and uh, years ago. And, and you talked about going through that and identifying these strong leaders that were sort of getting all the attention. But 
but you made up your mind. You had a moment, a paradigm shifting moment where you said, I'm just going to be me. Yeah. And you enjoyed being you. And it reminded me of the scripture that says a man's gift will make room, room for him. And that's happened for you. You didn't have to be anything else or anybody else for you, for your gift to make room for you. That's right. That's right. And Travis, the, the amazing thing, thank, thank, thankfully, this happened, you know, the first couple of years of, of ministry after, after a seminary. But, but thankfully, um, I saw an immediate difference in what we do like to talk about, which is performance. Yeah. Uh, nothing really seemed to work early on. And then all of a sudden it did because I began to relax into who I was and how God made me, mm. my wiring and my gifting and started to have fun and relationships went better. I mean, it just made sense, even though uh, intuitively I was saying, well, if that's who the winners are, I want to be one of those, you know. Right, right, right. Um, Dale, let me ask you a question. You said... Um, you, you know, you, you, you touched on the point of, you know, being yourself and our, in the church world and ministry leadership, this f- almost fear of believing yourself, you know, will God be displeased with me if I'm believing myself? Am I, you know, am I going to be disappointing? Am I, is this the right thing to do? Why do where does it, where do you think this come from? This comes from, where do we get this idea that it's not, might not be okay uh, to believe in oneself? You know, I think it's a distorted view of theology. Um, I think it's a, uh, it, it comes from, you know, when people think about, um, well, all kinds of things that are more self-help oriented or right. selfishness, or uh, it's all about me. Uh, and those kind of things in a perverted way can uh, impact our thinking. And I think it in, impacts our thinking incorrectly. Because God needs healthy leaders. God needs positive leaders. Right. God needs, he needs us to uh, think about ourselves no, no better or no worse than, than you know, Romans 12. We right. to think about ourselves the way God does, no, no greater and no lesser. But God thinks of us in a healthy way. He designed us. He made us. Uh, and I think it's difficult sometimes because of background in theology and yeah. sometimes what we're taught and that kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah. I feel like sometimes when I talk to other leaders about this idea, there's almost a, 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 their fear of being perceived as prideful is greater than their willingness to acknowledge that God put something good inside of them. That's, you, that's well put. I, I often talk about it in, in, in the confidence realm, the difference between overconfidence and underconfidence. Yeah. They'll both get you in trouble. Uh, but there's something uh, sometimes a little more noble about saying you're overconfident. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, uh, you know, if, you, if I have to pick a sin, I'm picking overconfident. Overconfident, right. Yeah, yeah. So that's more popular to admit to. <laughs> Although I can tell you from 30 years of coaching leaders, by far, it's the underconfidence. It's the more more dominant and more mm. prevalent. Uh, but, they're, but they're both equal issues. And both of those things are also in that trap of n- not um, having permission to see yourself in a healthy, positive, valuable way. Hmm. 30 years of coaching leaders. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in the tank there, Dan. In, in all of your coaching, were you ever able to identify the root of that underconfidence? Were you ever able to, and, and maybe, maybe you've already addressed it. Maybe the question is, um, how do you help people get past that? 
Yeah, I think one of the roots is insecurity. Mm. Uh, I think that's probably the most common uh, root in it. And there's more than one. Obviously, you've got both sides. You've got some, some parts of it are in genetics, parts of it are in your environment. Lots of things can factor in. Uh, but insecurity is, is something that's, that's hardwired in, whether it's people pleasing or defensiveness or performance or taking yourself too, too uh, seriously. Um, I think insecurity is a, is a big deal. And one of the ways to, uh, to go after that, you said, what can we yeah. do about insecurities? I think the first thing to, to keep in mind is that there's a gigantic difference between a moment of insecurity and an insecure person. Hmm. We, all leaders have some level of insecurity right? And, and we all spend our lives, you know, minimizing that insecurity as we mature and grow in Christ and tr trust God with who we are. Uh, but we all have some insecurities and most leaders have insecure moments walking into a board meeting or up on, you know, onto the platform. Right. But that's just an insecure moment, way different than an insecure leader. Hmm. And so you have to start by knowing which one are you. Then I, then I think uh, don't despise your, your, your uh, insecurity because everybody has it. Don't, don't, don't beat yourself up because everybody has it. Just some have more than others. I think another mm. thing that's important is to know your triggers. Mm. Um, at, at this age and stage, I'll have to tell myself again, you know, we, we never fully arrive or maybe I'm just a super late bloomer. I don't know. <laughs> but but um, uh, so, sometimes, the, you know, I'll, I won't, I won't say something in a meeting because I, I have this really good idea, but I don't want to say it because I, even at this stage, I don't want to say something dumb and I'm not super sure about right. what I want to say. So I don't say it. And then two minutes later, somebody else says the exact same thing and the room goes, yeah, oh, that's awesome. You know, and I, <laughs> what are you ever going to get over yourself and just, say what you think, you know. Yeah. Now, fortunately, that's not very common these days, but I tell that because it might help help others. But know your triggers, know, know where you, you maybe have a tendency to um, uh, feel insecure, have those insecure moments. And then I think it goes back to what we've been talking about quite a bit is remember your worth, remember your value. Right. Just remember all these things we've been talking about. I don't want to re repeat it all, but remember that. Remember what, who God made you to be. Yeah. You know, Dan, it's interesting. I, I interviewed uh, Sam Chand not too long ago and you and Sam, yeah. yeah, you and Sam are saying almost the same thing in regards to insecurity. And it's, it's really fun to watch two incredible leaders um, because he did the same thing you're doing. You're owning this insecurity in front of everybody and saying, here's an insecure moment for me, or the reality is we still have insecurity and we all wrestle with insecurity. And I think there is a liberating reality to that. Just your willingness to say, here it is. I've got it. We've all got it. And the paradox is the paradox is as you confess your insecurity, you're more secure. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and, and, and one of the best things that a leader can do with his or her staff is to be as candid about it or vulnerable, whatever one you choose, uh, with their staff in front of them. Because what you're doing is you're, you're putting that freedom in the water of, of your culture. You're, when you uh, can talk that freely in front of your staff about an insecure moment here and there or, or an insecure season, then you're giving them permission to go, oh, mm. so that's normal. I don't have to cover it up. I don't have to hide it. And when oh, you don't have to cover it up or hide it. That's so good. 
then you're freer to overcome it. The people who try to manage their insecurity can never get over their insecurity. Oh, wow. That's so good. So when you're free to practice it and just be out there with it, now you have a shot at just mowing it over and, 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 and actually overcoming it. I want to repeat something you just said for our listeners. You, you know, you guys might need to hit rewind on your phone and listen to that last minute. Um, Dan, you said something really profound. You said the people who try to manage their insecurity can never get over it. Correct. Can you just unpack that idea for another minute? Yeah. Whether it's image management or emotion management, uh, we, 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 each of us as a human being has a finite amount of emotional energy. And we have a finite amount of physical energy, uh, intellectual, et cetera. And so uh, when you spend your energy mm. trying to manage something and contain something, essentially hide something, you don't have enough energy left. And you certainly don't have the freedom because you're always thinking about what you said. You're thinking about how you're perceived. Right. And what you're actually doing is making yourself more insecure by trying to manage it. Wow. And, and rather than let it go, get it out there. Everybody already knows anyway. Right. <laughs> they, all, they already know. So you become more poised and more real and more authentic and you plow through it by owning it. Wow. Uh, that is uh, gold. Um, Dan Ryland is dropping his own transformational truths today on transformational truths and <laughs> it is absolutely rich. Um, Dan, my next question, we've actually already waded into it. Um, yep. Yeah, but is there another, we've talked about insecurity, but is there another, what we might call enemy of a leader's confidence that you would identify? Absolutely, Travis. Fear um, is the other one. Fear may be first. I think both of them were introduced in the garden. I think, mm. uh, not I think, in Genesis 3 makes both of them extremely clear and easy to see, even for a young Bible student. But fear and insecurity um, are at the top of that list of, of things that uh, are enemies of a leader's confidence. And let me, I will say this. The same thing I said about insecurity is true about fear, that there's a big difference between uh, having a fearful moment yeah, and yeah. being a fearful leader. Mm. Uh, there are moments like, oh, my gosh, I don't know. I got I to gotta pull the trigger on this million-dollar deal, you know, that kind of a moment. That's, that's right. That's pretty normal. Um, that's really different than being a fearful person. Yeah. 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 And I think one of the reasons that wisdom is so important is because if we're not careful, I think as leaders, we'll allow moments to define us. Oh, that's good. We'll allow the moment of insecurity or the moment of fear to define us and convince us that that is who we are. When in reality, it's not necessarily who we are, but it was just a moment. Yep. yep. Wow. So good. Um, Dan, I've, I've discovered uh, both in my own journey and in leading leaders and pastoring that the fear of rejection is one of the most limiting realities in our lives, whether it's, you know, uh, rejection in our marriage or rejection in ministry or the company we lead. This fear of rejection can keep us from taking these, you know, bold steps of faith, leading with confidence. How do we as leaders overcome that fear of rejection? Yeah, it is a hugely common uh, 
really toward the top of the list of fear of rejection. And partly, partly too, the why is because most church leaders are people-oriented. Uh, maybe I shouldn't say church leaders only, but most, uh, most leaders are people-oriented. Right. And so you don't want to be rejected. You want to um, you know, stay connected. Right. And so it's common, and it's, but the, the variety of the commonality is from anything as simple as someone doesn't like you, that, mm. that's a, that you feel rejected to, so they, they, they reject your idea or your vision, or the ones that get a little bit tougher that we relate to, they leave your church, yeah. or, or some of the more ultimate ones, uh, you're fired. You know, they're, they're, right. So there's all kinds that, that those prevent the bold steps. And, uh, but I want to say it a, a different way too, because some leaders don't uh, view themselves as a bold leader and they think, well, I don't take bold steps anyway. So I want to add to that, it, mm. it causes a leader just to hold back in general. You just hold back. Mm. Uh, you, you just kind of, you, you're tentative and you, you second guess and that'll hurt you. So let, let's, share, let's share a couple of um, practical things that help specifically in this fear of rejection. Right. Yeah. First, <laughs> this will sound like, well, this isn't helpful. Um, number one, you're going to, re you're going to be rejected. Yep. You're going to be. So yep. don't live to avoid it. Oh, that's so, that's so good. You can attempt to live on the defense your entire leadership life to avoid rejection and be popular and, and you know, committee color beige, stay in the middle. And, but you're either going to not lead or you're going to get rejected. Wow. And so, so don't live to avoid it. That's number one. Then it's two. Secondly, I would say, remember that God will never reject you. If you put those two back to back, that's a, that's a, a, a good um, kind of combo there. Yes. God, he's just, he's never, now he's, he, I'll just leave it there. Cause if I say anything more, I'll, I'll get theologically in somebody's wrong camp, but I'll just stop there and say, <laughs> God will never reject you. I can't say any more though. We all know why. Okay. So then I think getting more practical Focus on those who do love and support you, mm. not the one who rejects you or your idea, etc. In, in coaching leaders, um, I think I've done this. I know, I know, I have, um, and many, many, many do. And these are sharp, uh, experienced veteran leaders. We tend to focus on the one rejection, not the fifty uh, supporting, accepting, loving people. And that's so true. And, and it'll take you out and you'll, you'll, you know, I'll, <laughs> I'll get, I'll get 200, you know, positive things on a blog post. And then right. one guy just kind of rips me a, you know, he just <laughs> sends me a love note, let's say, you know, and I, and I, and I think about that one, you know, half the day. Right. Yeah. Right. And of course that's just silly, but that's human nature. So, uh, the, obviously, the, the practical element of, of that third idea, uh, focus more on those who love and support you. And I don't mean, I don't mean in a protective, put your head in the sand way, but, but uh, the practical thing is develop close relationships of, with trusted advisors. Mm -hmm. uh, develop close relationships with people who are strong and smart. They have the wisdom to speak truth, but they have the strength to actually say it. Um, mm. and, and the last one... Uh, thought that comes to mind is just to take action 
because action is the number one antidote to all fear. So take the bold step or take the little step, however you're designed, but however you're designed, but you've got to, you have to risk. You, 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 we cannot lead. You can, listeners here, you know, you cannot lead if you don't take risks. Uh, you just said so much important stuff, Dan. I want to take a minute and go back and highlight it. You, you talked about the fear of rejection. If we embrace it, it just holds us back as leaders. And, and then you said something I want everyone to hear again. You said, don't live your life to avoid rejection. You're either going to not lead or you're going to get rejected. And I think there's a freedom in embracing that reality and just saying, you know what? The question isn't if, the, the question is just when. And when I get there, will I have come to the place of acknowledging the reality that you spoke to, which in my opinion might be the most important reality, and that is that God will never reject you. That, um, especially I think in the life of a leader, um, I, I think to know that, that my identity is firmly and securely in Christ Jesus, in the finished work of Christ upon the cross, and, and knowing that I won't be rejected by God. I think for me, Dan, my own healing process and facing fears in my life, that becoming real to me has, has helped me to address so many of my own insecurities and some, so many of my own fears. Because I think for many years, especially as a younger leader, and I spent all my time uh, trying not to be rejected. I was, I was living my life to avoid rejection because, you know, as, especially I think as a young leader, you know, that's the end of the world. If, if, <laughs> if, if, if you know, if somebody doesn't like you, then, oh, that's it. It's over for me, you know. Yeah. It's like the high school syndrome. You can't, you won't do anything to jeopardize your pop popularity. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's it. And, and then what I found was, is I was avoiding making important decisions that I needed to make. I wasn't making the courageous decisions. I was always making the safe ones mm -hmm. because I didn't want to be rejected. And um, the truth is sometimes the people, here's what I've discovered. And maybe, maybe you've had a different experience. Maybe you could speak to this, but what I've discovered was, was that the moment I started taking the steps of faith as a leader, I needed to, the people that rejected me, they were just going to reject me anyway, eventually. Mm -hmm. And the sooner I made, took the step, the sooner the people that maybe needed to exit my life did so that the people that needed to come in could come. And so uh, I wanted everyone to just unpack that for a second because man, that is such an important point. And then you said action is the antidote for fear. Can you talk about that just for another minute? Absolutely. Um, here's a common example. Uh, I have a, a few friends who have some health issues but they won't go to the doctor mm. because they're afraid of what they're going. They, they, don't, they don't want to learn. They don't want bad news, but you have to go. You have to take action. Right. There's so much more fear in the unknown of wondering than there is going to the doctor, finding out what you have and realizing, Oh, take this pill or go get this done. And you're all set to go. You, mm. you know, we, it, we, even if it turns into bad news from the doctor, uh, action, taking the step is the way to go beat it. You, right. can, you can never overcome what you're concerned about without action. Mm. Dan, in your book, um, you said something I want to share with our listeners. You said there are far too many Christian leaders 
who know God loves them and Jesus died for them, but who don't have a strong belief that God is always with them as leaders, what encouragement would you offer a leader who's listening who might feel discouraged? They might feel alone, especially in this really strange seasons. They might find it really hard to be quote unquote successful in this season. What would you say to them? Uh, I appreciate, I really appreciate this question because it's so common. And I, I think I want to start there. Travis is saying, first of all, I really get it. <laughs> and I think uh, an encouragement just comes in hearing we're all in this together. I don't think anybody has ever not experienced this. And let me affirm what you said. We're not talking about your salvation or does God right. love you? Or that we're just talking about, you know, the, the circumstance. Our circumstance might be different, but the circumstance of, of wondering, God, do you see what's happening here? I mean, I, you commission, you asked me to do this, but it's nothing's right. working. And are you here? <laughs> you know, the common, the church planter. Okay. I did it, but where are you? You know, Right. Right. And COVID of course. And are you in this? Are you, are you, I know you're with me, but are you with me in this? Yeah. That's, oh, that's the good. big, so, so um, I think the first thing is for, for those who are listening is to just hear you and I talk about the fact that this is so common to every leader. There's always a moment um, and someone will say, well, are you doubting your faith? No, we're not doubting. It's not about a faith doubt. Right. It's just God doesn't seem to be working. So I think, I think, let's go from there. The, it doesn't seem to be working or, or whatever it might be. COVID, you know, everybody's got a little bit of it. I think we have to be willing uh, further to let God define success. Mm. And I hate that. <laughs> I, I want to define success. <laughs> I think I, my long-term ongoing conversation, almost an argument with guys, can I define success? And he kindly says back, you know, no. Um, but I think, see, most leaders want to focus on the growth of the church. And that's yeah. a good thing. I mean, who wants to wake up and say, God, please stop my church from growing. I mean, we all want to reach more people. That's a good thing. Right. Right. But the main thing is the growth of each person. Mm. The main thing is change lives. That's success. And uh, again, going back to the good thing, the driveness, the, the desire to advance the kingdom, to reach more people for Jesus, that's good. But it's really about changed lives. And uh, you know, I, I've long believed that it's better to have a church of 200 that becomes 300 that becomes 400 than it has a church to have 5,000 who stays 5,000 who stays 5,000 who stay you know you want it but it's just but it's one at a time it's one at a time that's what really makes it count um if there was another thought and we we might want to unpack this some because there's so much in this one um is is that god is with you he is with you because he never breaks his promise. We know Matthew right. 28. He says, I'm with you. Right. And, and he doesn't break his promise. And we know that intellectually, but we also know that historically from leaders who have gone before us. And he, but I want to add this practical element. I don't think I'm pushing scripture too, too much here. He's with you and he doesn't break the promise, but he's also with you through other people. Oh, that's good. Um, he got... Jesus didn't need to pick 12 disciples. He didn't need to pick 
12 guys who were going to argue about their status and fight with each right. other and ask him dumb questions. He, he did, but God, God ordained that leadership model from the beginning and, and he works, he, he's with us through other people. Mm. And I think when the chips are down, here's the really good news. When the chips are down and, and it's tough, you really only need one other leader to stand by you. You really only need one. Wow. Now two is better, 29 is better, but you, but you're, you really only need one. One. And, and wow, when you can get that in your mind, you need one. Again, I'm going to put a qualifier, two qualifiers. They're smart and they're strong, right? Right, right. You really only need one. Mm. And that's a game changer for the many women out there. You really just need one. Mm. I think that point is even more important to hear today, Dan, and in this culture of, you know, social media connections and quote unquote, Facebook friends and, you know, Instagram friends. I, I looked the other day, I think I, I, I told my wife, I said, I've got 4,500 Facebook connections. I probably know 200 of them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't, these are not all quote unquote friends, but, but far greater, far lesser than that is is the number of people that you can really call a friend and just walk through the fire with correct and for how important we'll make this our last question how important is it for a leader to build a friendship it's vital i believe that it's impossible to lead long term and again i'm I'm the, I'm the guy from the Jurassic Park, you know, I've been in this 39 years. I'm very blessed to have a lot of energy and, and pretty healthy and all, but I believe that it's nearly impossible to live in isolation. And uh, the more isolated you are, you can be around several hundred people and still be isolated. And so to have authentic relationship with one or two or three or five or seven or whatever it might be, yeah. maybe you're really social it's 15 great but um uh it's so vital if you're going to go the distance it's mm. so vital i want to recap today's transformational truth the way a leader sees himself will determine the demands he places on himself dan where can people find you well other than the coolest guitar stores you can find in the country uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, a guitar boutique shop. You could find me lurking in the back on my day off. So uh, danryland.com is where my blog is. Um, right. That's really the simplest place. Just danryland, R-E-I-L-E-N-D.com. Uh, and lots and lots and lots of articles there that might serve you well. Yeah, and I want to just um, testify to that reality. Um, I read your articles every time I see you post a new one um, on Twitter. And they're incredible. They're practical. They're very, very helpful. Uh, listen, if you'd like to connect with Dan Ryland, please check out the links that we included in the show notes. And if transformational truths is helpful to you, please do me a personal favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show and write us a quick review. We want to help you restore the joy to your life and leadership. Dan, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Travis. Thank you.